Life Her Podcast. Hey girl, thank you for tuning in to Life Her Podcast. We are here to inspire you, lift you up, and let you know we see you in all of your love, strength, power, and courage. So sis, let's take a journey together because our experiences are not our own and cycles, they need to be broken. Hey ladies, this is Life Her Podcast. Today we are going to talk about things of being voided in life and also the fact of people not recognizing people that do so many good things in the community and good things within a family and does an amazing job raising their children and also just the fact of just being a strong woman on a day-to-day basis and a lot of people don't understand of the trials and tribulations that people go through you know they always say don't judge a book by its cover so today i would like to welcome you guys with carlotta pace hi carlotta hi (laughs) thank you for coming in tonight Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That's good. Thank you. Um, I would like to ask you a few questions. Basically, today, what what are you doing today? What is your profession? Okay, so professionally, um, I am a therapist. Um, I work at Families First. So I do individuals, children, and families. Um, one of the things professionally that I'm trying to work on um, is becoming more of an advocate for groups and um, things such as day treatment and IOP classes for teenagers mm-hmm. or just younger adults, period. Um, just simply because I think that we're in a time where um, that is really what's going on. Like a lot of our babies are utilizing drugs and alcohol at, at a very early age. And wow. so um, I'm trying to educate myself a little bit more in that area mm-hmm. um, so that I can move forward and, and help more. What is the struggles that you see the most with you being a therapist for minority black African-Americans? What is the struggle that you see within our culture? Um, I think that one of the greatest struggles is um, being misunderstood. Um, I think that culturally speaking, we're misunderstood by others, but we're also, we don't understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so um, we lack self-awareness. And when we lack self-awareness, that means we lack so many other things. And so... Um, I think the hardest thing is facing the reality that we have very minimal and limited resources for people that we serve. Right. Um, It's very difficult to say to, you know, a 19-year-old male who might want to do the right thing or might want to go in the right direction, but I don't have a lot of other males to direct him to or programming even because if you don't have a child or if you're not um, a parent already or in a domestic violence situation, we don't have a lot of resources for for people who have that circumstance. Wow, really? Yeah. So when um, when people have limited, what what is your solution? Doing the best you can or do you find yourself doing something on your personal needs as far as your own finances or things of that nature? So it's a little bit of both. Um, I definitely feel like being a therapist is more of a calling. Like, I don't think that you can just be a therapist. Like, you really have to be called to do it. 
um, in order to be effective because there is times when you sacrifice from your, yourself, from your own. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think it's about linking to other people. So for me, I find myself linking to people like yourself where if it's a program that maybe I don't have it, but I could call you and say, hey, that I got this young girl who need this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Do you think you got somebody that can help her or even your program being able to help her? And so I think that linking to other people as a professional is like, is really major because mm -hmm. even if I don't know, somebody else should know. Um, so I think that that's one of the most things, the, the most the easiest things to do is to stay uh -huh. linked because um, somebody should know, you know, yeah. and if they don't know, I kind of just keep reaching until I find something. Mm -hmm. um, if, I mean, of course there's been times when um, I've done it from my own sacrifice, right. but I try my best to, um, to make it something that I could teach them versus mm -hmm. give them. Right. Because, then it's kind of like I'm just gonna I'm, they're gonna repeat the same cycle that right. them there you know so um I mean you know churches other people in the community uh, believe it or not I have like a circle of people who I um I I say they're called but um maybe they're not in a profession maybe they're not um, even working sometimes but mm -hmm. they're just people that want to give right so I have people all the time who call me and say well like right now is the holiday so people will call me and say yeah. you know I want to adopt a family or do you have any kids in your caseload that need to size this and clothes or mm -hmm. you know so sometimes it kind of just happens but that's all about that staying connected you know what I mean mm -hmm. staying connected to the, to the um, community and to other people mm -hmm. um, so and that kind of leads to me being in different areas you know what I mean so you know you have church but then you have um, the community stuff like cheerleading and football and mm -hmm. um, just mentoring, whatever we have, because it's all necessary. Right. It so, really is. Mm -hmm. What um, called you to basically have this calling to go to school and get an education know, to right? be a therapist? So, um, wow. So I think in the beginning, um, I wanted to be a teacher. Oh. Right. So I went to school. Um, I started at the University of Akron. And I started a two plus two program. So I was supposed to get an associate degree in education and go back and get another one. Well, when I got to the end of my two year, I go to talk to my um, student advisor mm -hmm. and I wasn't even working on an education degree. I had been switched over without knowing. Right. Oh, wow. So I got initially a community service degree and um, I liked it. Wow. So I started working first in like the day treatment programs at Akron Umadot. And I had already did like some volunteer stuff over there. Mm -hmm. So um, I helped start the step team at Bukta when I was like 16 years old. Oh. So that was connected to Umadot. So it was kind of like mm -hmm. an easy transition. And then when I did that, um, I had an associate degree. And I felt like it wasn't enough. I needed mm -hmm. to go back and do a little bit more. So I went back and got my bachelor in social work. And then when I was a social worker at Summit County Children's Services, um, we would always have kids who would be removed from their families and they would go to therapy. And one of the things that I would see was a lot of the therapists would say, well, the problem is they're not in their home. Mm -hmm. And I would be like, that couldn't be the problem because they wouldn't be sitting here if that was the only problem. Yes. And so I found myself saying, you know what? I just want to help people at a different level because I don't know, like maybe their job is too hard, maybe. And so I wanted to figure it out. Like I wanted to figure out, could I really help people at this level? Could I mm -hmm. really um, 
gain a greater understanding of first myself and know what I could do and not do, but then also of someone else and help them reach things that maybe they never thought they could do. That's good. Um, so that's how I did. started doing therapy. That's a true <laughs> passion, though. A lot of people really don't. You know, some people go into a field that they just wanted to go into because a lot of people just book smart. They could just go through with it. But it's nothing like being getting services from someone that has a passion in something and willing to help you. So what is like, do you find yourself being a therapist, needing therapy also? Oh, God, yes. Yes. So, <laughs> so I, I think that um, the, the physical degree, that's really what led to it. But spiritually speaking and emotionally speaking, um, when I began to do it, I knew that it was what I needed to do because of the things I had been through. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been to, ther- to therapy before as a child and as an adult. Um, I feel like one of the most important things as a therapist is to make sure that my mental and emotional health is is well. Right. Um, and a lot of times when you're dealing with everybody else's burdens, you kind of push your own to the side. And if you're not careful, if you're not mindful, you lose yourself. Um, mm-hmm. In whatever you might. I mean, sometimes it's not even like a bad thing that you like. I lost. I lost myself in parenting. You know what I mean? Because I had to really put everything aside to be a mom. And so I have to find my way now. You know what I mean? Like my all of my children are um, now out of my home. My twins left. I think it's been like six months now. I know, right? But, um, you know, it's still new. You know yes. what I mean? So I think that on different levels, I have definitely needed therapy mm-hmm. um, at different times. And, you know, as a kid, I went through... Um, I witnessed my mother be physically abused, emotionally abused, and at wow. some point I became, it was like I was the victim, you know what I mean, yeah. of, of her circumstance. So um, my mother married a man when I was two years old, divorced her when I was 19, and most of those years I spent watching her be physically and emotionally abused. And so um, you kind of you kind of wear that cross, so to speak. Yeah. Um, one of my passions and the things that I would like to move forward with soon is just doing something about, you know, the fact that people think children don't know when there's domestic violence and mm-hmm. they really do on every level. Um, and it's so crazy. So we're talking about this right now. And I think it was today's Tuesday. So it's two days ago. Wow. Um, I actually spoke to my stepfather and I had not even like spoken to him outside of my mother's funeral since I was a little girl. Wow. And for me, um, I know we talked about this a little bit before we started, but I mm-hmm. lost my mother in May of this year and it really shattered my heart. Okay. And one of the things that happened, even though it shattered my heart, it was like, without a doubt, God was with me and, and still with me, but I felt like he was cleansing me so that I can be better. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things that we went through or that I went through as a little girl, I had never dealt with fully. And so um, I think that when you're in a household where there's domestic violence, there's so many different levels of secrets. You know, you, mm-hmm. you hold it a secret from your friends or when they find out you still hold it a secret from other family members or you don't want to. Um, for me, I was protecting my mother. I didn't want my mom to feel like. I was saying something negative about her by talking about it or by even feeling some type of way about it. Um, When I addressed one of the times that I went to therapy, me and my mother talked about it. And um, it was a little bit of a weight off of me, but I had never, ever, ever stood before him and really talked to him about the way that I felt, the way that it made me think in reference to like 
it impacts how I dated. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. Um, I'm just now getting to a point where I really know that I want more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I first started dating as a young girl, I really was just trying to date somebody that would protect me from him. You know, um, because wow. of the domestic violence had got so bad to where when he would jump on my mom, me and my older sister would jump on him. So, I mean, we're like, I'm 12 or 13 years old yeah. fighting an adult. You know what I mean? And so um, it, it definitely put some wounds on me because I feel like I remember, uh, you know, being called out of my name when I didn't even understand what it meant. You know, I remember um, being told that I didn't fit, I didn't belong, or whatever the circumstance was because I wasn't his child. You know what I mean? Right. So as I started getting older, when I started dating, the first thing was, oh, well, he don't hit me, so he cool. He cool. Girl, so many other things flow yeah. in relationships. It's like you won't think about the morals of right. it and how he's really supposed to treat Correct. you. Correct. Because wow. I'm just looking at like, okay, well, so long as he don't hit me, I'm good. I can work with everything else. And it just wasn't, it, it, it wasn't at all healthy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was definitely what I did. And then um, I'm 40 years old and I feel like I am just getting to a place where I can even see myself as a potential wife. Wow. Because I just never, ever wanted to be treated like that, you know? And mm-hmm. so I've been in relationships. I've been proposed to, but I couldn't submit in that way. Right. Because mm-hmm. I felt like if, if that is being a wife and or if this is what a husband would bring, I really can't do it. I can't do it to myself. I can't do it to my children. So it was a lot of things that I kind of settled for because I wanted my children to be around their father or to be with their father. But I knew the relationship wasn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I knew that we were on two different playing fields in reference to where we wanted to be in life. Mm-hmm. I knew that probably when I was 19 years old. You know what wow. I mean? But it was like. Well, I don't want nobody being mean to my kids. I don't want them around no stepdad because my stepdad Cause was your mean. Because how's your stepdad right? was. So here I am a therapist, but I'm really still working through my own stuff. You know right. what I mean? Because I understand that everybody's not going to be like that. In essence, every man will not be uh, you know, a physically abusive man. Every stepfather won't be like that. But you kind of revert to that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so um, I did it for a very long time. But sometimes with you being in that field... Of you, it was. It's more like God positioned you to be a therapist, and even though you was going to be a teacher, you go from right. social work and now therapist. It's like God wanted you to witness a yes. lot of families and a lot of stories of testimonies on the things that families go through, and it's like God, like okay, your kids are grown now. Right. I'm going to start blessing you because you actually see these things going on. And it's crazy because when you find yourself loving yourself at a level, that man in your life that will come into your life will love you the same way of how you always wanted to be loved for so many years. So it's your season. Hey, I received it. <laughs> you better receive it. I had to grab it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and I and I that's like that's the right time word because I feel like that's really true to the season that God has me. Yeah, in. it's like everybody wants a timeline on different things that transpired in their life. Even though us as women, we go through so much. I think we need to just examine the things that we've been through. Correct. And correct those things of a pros and cons and learn from them and try to excel mentally, physically, emotionally, right. and spiritually. A lot of women aren't spiritually enough mm-hmm. to have a personal relationship with God to know he will get you through it. Right. It's right. just trusting in them. And, 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 you know, I think that it's so hard to face yourself. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, 
one of the things that, because there's been other times in my life where I felt like I was trying to do it or it was almost like I was getting ready to do it, but I would fall back into depression or sadness or whatever it is I would fall into. But it was those times when my children would, like when my daughter started dating. Mm-hmm. I have to look at myself because now I have to know what did I put before her as an example. So now I got to go to my kids and say, okay, you know what? I don't know that that was a good example. You know what I mean? Like, do you find, do you, um, like you saying with your daughter's dating, do you examine the guys that they date to make sure they're not, maybe not dating their father? No, right? And, so if I have mm-hmm. an opportunity. Yeah. Would you being a therapist? I'm sure you're very yeah, observant. I try. <laughs> In well, communication. And they know that though. So it's like with teenagers, you only know so much. You know, yeah. the reality is I wish I knew everything they did. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Um, so what that that I do know, I try. Um, and I always try to be honest with them about my mistakes. Mm-hmm. I always try to be honest with them about, like, I feel like there was a lot of me that emotionally wasn't available. Like, I've never left my kids physically. I've been through all type of stuff where um, life has been hard. But I've always had my kids with me. But I also feel like because I went through life surviving, I didn't go through life feeling. And uh-huh. so by that, I mean, like, it been times when I know I was sad, but I didn't have time to address the sad. So instead mm-hmm. of me addressing the sad, I just dealt with the issue. Keep you know it what I'm moving. Saying? Just keep it moving. And so I remember having times where my godma would say to me, like, your kids think they can't cry. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, mm-hmm. and it, I'm, I mean, you know, I used to laugh, like, I never told you you couldn't cry. Or why do you think that? But it's because they had never really seen me cry. Like, they had <laughs> never, in essence, seen me cry. You know, um, even, and it's funny, but when my parents died, that's when they seen me cry. Wow. Um, and it wasn't because I've never cried. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, most of the time I would put them in the bed and be downstairs doing homework crying or be in my car praying and crying and screaming and acting the fool. But I just, I, I for whatever reason, I was able to um, put on the face of we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because I never wanted my kids to feel lost or hopeless or helpless. You know what I mean? Like, I remember being a little girl feeling like, man, like, how are we going to get through this? And I always felt like kids shouldn't have to feel that. Right. You shouldn't have to feel like how we go make it to tomorrow or how I'm going to put food in the refrigerator. And so even though it was a good thing in some ways, mm-hmm. some of those things I think that I kind of like shielded my kids from too much sometimes. Right. Because I think it's good for um, them to know to not take those things for granted. Yeah. So, I agree. <laughs> you know, I think that they're living in that now. I know, right? <laughs> so, um, because now I just feel like it's it's time for me to work on me. So, I can't move every time you need me to move. And I can't deal with all your stuff because I got my own stuff to deal with. So, as a child with your mom going through abuse and everything, do you think your mom witnessed her mother oh God, being yes. abused also? So, that's why she yeah. accepted it? Yes. So, um... <clears throat> You know, as my mother struggled with alcohol. Um, my father and my stepfather both struggled with um, alcohol and drug addictions. And one of the things that happened for me was when I was a young adult, like 18 really, I, I wasn't really in the place where I was ready to forgive my mom. And um, I, I met a friend. I, I can't remember how old I was, but I had to be like around 21. Um who had been through a lot of things with his mother. Mm-hmm. And when he would talk to me about his mother, he was so passionate about like 
the love that he had for her. And I didn't understand it. I mean, like, I, like here I am. I know that I'm saved. I love God. But I couldn't forgive my parents at the level that he did. And some of the things he had been through with his mom was way worse than the things that I had experienced. And so, um, and, and I knew him as a child, but I didn't know their story. Mm-hmm. And so when he started telling me their story and be like looking for his mom and checking on her and making sure she okay. And it was kind of like one of those times where I had to look at myself. I had to self-check and say like, if this dude can forgive his mom, I got to start working on that. Like, because yes. I haven't forgiven her to that degree. You know what I mean? I've never been disrespectful to my mom, but it's been so many times in my life where I just really felt like a motherless child, you know? And so now that I really am a child, you know, I know I'm 40, but I'm always be my parents' child. Um, now that they really are gone, it's a very big difference. And so um, then I started questioning myself, like, okay, Carlotta, you got to work on this because how do you not forgive? Who are you to not forgive? Right. And so um, I don't know, like after like listening to him and just hearing the forgiveness that he had in his heart, it challenged me to do the same thing. Right. And so I started going to my mom and asking her, like, you know, mom, like sometimes I'm angry at you or sometimes I'm mad. I feel like maybe you could have protected me from some of the things that happened and I don't understand it. And so what I learned was that my mother had been molested, raped at an early age. My mother had been physically abused most of her life. My mother had been, you know, my mother was, I think, 14 when she got married the first Uh time. Um, Her first husband was abusive. Her second husband, which was my stepfather, you know, while I was growing up, was abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, My father wasn't abusive to her, but they never married. And my father literally, my father was a pimp, literally, like a Mm real-life pimp. So um, his lifestyle didn't allow for any space for her to have any type of healing in it. You know what I mean? And so he didn't physically abuse her, but emotionally to be a woman with a child and you come home and yo. Who, the person that you love in the bed with three women, like how you how you deal with that? You know right. what I mean. So I started seeing her different because she I started know understanding how. that she gave me what she could. Yeah, she, she didn't know how. She, she had no form of direction at Correct. all, and that's what goes on in today's world in a lot of families. It's like the the cycles keep going yes. over and over. So sometimes when I communicate with people, you know how when people judge another person. It's like you'd be like, okay, so right. what went on with your mom? Correct. Okay, what went on with your mom's mom? Right. What went on with your mom's mom's mom? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a lot of things that transpire in people's lives. And sometimes people can't help how they are. Right. It's just how they were raised. And right. it's not their fault. But it's ways to change it. And I think with you being a therapist and people seeking therapy and finding a route to all of yes. why are why they are today yeah oh my God, and it helped them a lot so it's really good that you um that you asked your mom those questions because a lot of people aren't able to right. or they scared to or don't even think about just writing them a letter if they feel like right. they can't communicate either and you know that was crazy because that was one of the things i had to do for therapy i had to confront all of those things that had held me back for so long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I did it, but it was like this, it was a different level of forgiving her. So it was like I respected her, but I still had that stuff in my heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so once I started asking her, I was just like, I don't even know how you raised no kids. You know what I right. mean? Like going through all of that, 
um, the people who harmed her were like her own parents and relatives. And so it's just, you know, I, I definitely feel like generational curses are something that, you know, you really got to dig deeper and you have to really try to gain an understanding of a higher power because it's really the only way out of it. You know what I mean? There is no other escape and there's no easy way. There's no loophole of like, oh, well, I'm about to just, I'm going to go around this corner and cut it. You you can't do it. You got mm-hmm. to face the head on. You got to deal with it. You have to manage whatever it is you feel and, um, and you grow from it and you just keep digging and digging and digging yeah. and, and, and you know, it's, and sometimes it's hard, you oh, know. Yeah. I feel like one of the, the things that I've had to deal with now in reference to my childhood is my self-esteem. You know, I've had times in my life where I didn't want to live. I've had times in my life where, you know, I didn't find myself pretty or worthy or any of those things. And so, you know, here I am trying to put on a smile on the outside, but in the inside I was dying, mm-hmm. you know. And I can think of more than one time in my life where I felt like that, yeah. you know. Um, and, and it's crazy because as much as I miss my mom, as much as um, definitely if I could change life, you know, I would have her healthy in here. But yeah. when my mother passed, it it's almost like God sat me down like, you going to deal with you, mm-hmm. period. Like, no more taking care of mom, no more taking care of this person or that person. Like, regardless to what I do outside of myself or in the community, like, I have to deal with me. I have to mm-hmm. look at myself every day. Um, I give sometimes people the exercise of looking in the mirror mm-hmm. and talking to yourself or saying, you know, doing the I am statements or yeah. um, just looking at yourself sometimes because the first thing we do when we look at ourselves is we want to fix something. Yeah. And <laughs> so now, even right now, as we speak, I'm in a moment of, you know, I need to be able to look at myself and love it. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to look at myself Embrace and say it. everything, you know what I mean? From my, from my flaws to, you know, the things that maybe I didn't see as beautiful before. Um, even today, I looked at a picture and I was like, oh my God, like I'm finally starting to feel like I can look at a picture and, and love it. You know you what I like, mean? Dang, girl, you look good. <laughs> I'm well, serious, but you know, good, because it's, it's, I feel like I went from being a child trying to protect my mom and my family because I had siblings that were younger and then moving straight into being a mom. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't want to, I didn't want my kids to like anything, you know. So it's been times when we were homeless and my kids didn't even recognize it. Like, they asking for people to spend a night. We're homeless. Like, no, they can't spend a night. You Aww. know what I'm saying? But it was because they didn't even recognize the place in life that we were, you know. So it seems like you didn't burden your kids with your own personal problems. I tried. I tried. That's what it seemed like what you did. And that's so appreciative and some people don't know how important and valuable that is to not pin your own adult issues oh, onto yeah. your child right. so they could keep their innocence. Right. That's really good. Right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it thank is. You. It's it's difficult and I and I think that that's probably the reason why I like doing any kind of helping somebody because mm-hmm. I think that in life sometimes if you just got a person that can say it's going to be okay yeah. or a person that can tell you like look it's hard, girl, but you can do this. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it, and life is truly hard. Like, sometimes I, I, even if I watch the things that go on in our community, like right now, we're in the lead for things like kids dying under the age of 18 yes. months. You know what I mean? Like, the bully rate and kids committing suicide or trying to commit suicide is growing every day. You know what I mean? Like, right here in our area. So, when I think about that kind of stuff, it's hurtful. 
You know what I mean? But then I also think about that, you know, that young man that's 30 or 40 years old and maybe selling drugs. But at the end of the day, this is all they've ever known. Mm -hmm. And all they want to do is take care of their family, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I'm very grateful because I feel like the gifts that God has given me is being able to trying not to be judgmental because yes. I think that I'm human so sometimes maybe I have to catch myself mm-hmm. but you know overall like I'm, I'm very forgiving I'm very um, I try not to judge people and if I make a mistake like I don't have a problem with saying I'm sorry or please tell me what I did so I can fix it and not do it the next time mm-hmm. um, but that's important because people need to know that somebody loves them somewhere mm-hmm. um, I, even when I think about the state of the young men like it's scary it is because they don't care and they don't care because they haven't had anybody show them care yes. or love or genuine affection. You know it's what I really mean? bad now with it the is. younger young. I, it amazed me um, over the summer how so many young men, I'm talking about other under 15 years old getting killed. Yes. And you're like, what yes. was he doing? Man. So it, it's really sad. And a lot of people just don't examine things like that. But it comes from households. Right. Like, people, we got to gather our households up, grab our babies, hold them, love them, talk to them, tell them them I love you. Communication is everything in the household. It is. It is. is. And and, and that, again, it's that challenge of looking at yourself every day Mm -hmm. and being willing to face it. Like, I've had to apologize to my children for making poor choices. Like, you know, as a mom, I made a poor choice. Like, I didn't look at if this person was healthy enough to make a child with him. I just was like, I'm doing what I'm doing and oh well. You know your what baby, I mean? Your babies love so, you though. Oh, and I, I love my <laughs> they kids. Love I know that without <laughs> my kids, I don't know where God would have me, but I know that it would have took it would have taken me a longer time to manage and catch on to life. How what, right how way. old were you when you had your first child? Um, I was 19 when I had my son. Mm-hmm. So how did you get through your college education, being homeless and going through so much? How did you get through all of that, going through so much? If I had to explain it one word, it would be God. It would be God himself. Um, but I think that, like when I was 19, I had my first child. By the time I was 21, I had... I know that I think I had all my kids by the time I was 22. So I have four mm-hmm. kids by the time I was 22. And I just remember before the final time of dropping out of school. Like, I dropped out of school probably five or six times. But, like, I kept dropping out. Like, I, I got my associate degree. I dropped out. Mm-hmm. I went back to school. Um, before I could get my bachelor's degree, I got pregnant again. I dropped out. Um, I went back to school. And I was like, I ain't doing this. Forget it. Dropped out again, you know. Um, trying to just work a job here and there and do what I can do to take care of my family. But um, the Holy Spirit has always been inside of me. And so when I would be faced with a challenge of like somebody putting me down or making me feel less than, it would make me go harder. Mm -hmm. You know, all the times when I feel like, um, you know, and unfortunately at that time, even like the, the people in my life who were like my stepfather, the people who treated me wrong, you know what I mean? Like, they were my encouragers because every time they said I couldn't, I knew I could. You know what I mean? Every time I looked at an issue or a battle, I just had to sometimes sit down and figure it out. But I knew that I would conquer it. Like, I just, I had something in the inside of me saying, like, do it. Get mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Turn your and pain into power. Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly and when I had what the you twins, did. Like, I had the twins. 
And that was probably the most devastating point of my life in reference to having children because I had two kids and I had made the decision that I wasn't having no more kids. And so I was on birth control and this is really funny, but no lie. I was intimate one time for real, right? (laughs) And so I just did not understand how God put that on me. You know what I mean? And so I'm sitting there and I'm going to, I thought, I think I was, I thought I had the flu or something. Mm -hmm. And I get the results back and they like, oh, you pregnant? Who pregnant? I just had a menstrual cycle or everything. Like, ain't no way, right? you like, what's going on? Ain't no way. The man said, well, hey, listen, if you want to pay for ultrasound, I can show you, but you pregnant. So literally the same day I found out I was pregnant, they do the ultrasound and it's two. Oh, okay. God trying to kill me. Okay. (laughs) So, but I remember crying and just crying out to God and saying, you know, God, if you could just give me a peace of mind about this. You know, I would be so careful to give you all the glory and all the honor because I really didn't know how I was going to make it. Like, I really felt like I was losing everything. Like, you know, I knew that I didn't want to be with their father. I was beyond the stages of, of um, being done with it. And so I couldn't move myself physically. I couldn't see past it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't see it like at the end of the tunnel. And so I just started whew, clinging on to God and just saying, like, for real, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so either I'm going I'm to for real forever be a hood rat or I'm gonna figure it out like for real like I really can't stay in a position of always looking for somebody else to do something for me I really can't like I gotta do this like I gotta mm-hmm. figure it out going from two and to four I'm, I'm telling easy. you easy oh my god it was crazy that was crazy <laughs> every time I think about that it was crazy because I do I remember the tears of that I remember feeling like I really can't believe this is happening you know what mm-hmm. I mean but I also remember coming up to that level of acceptance like God has something greater for you to do. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what you going to do? You know what I mean? Are you going you go to drown? you going to swim? What you going to do? And God is always, it, I've always had an experience with God, like where he not allowing me to sit in a pity party. Like he not going to allow me to say, oh, okay, you sad? Let me send you 10 people to help. No. He'd be like, you sad? Okay, girl, get up. Get up. Keep it get moving. Dig deep, deeper. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that's really what I had to do. Like, I had to take one thing at a time. Like, okay, so first, let me deal with my housing. Okay, next, let me deal with this. Next, and I just had to keep doing. But I really did. I dropped out of school, I don't even know, like, at least five or six times. Wow. You know, but I just kept going back but until you I finished. finished it. You finished. So, I have a um, a master's degree in um, individual and child therapy and I don't even know what my bachelor's in. I know it's in social work. Ain't that funny? But, um, you know, I just kept going back until the job was done. That's And so, you know, that's really what you have to do in life. Like, I think that a lot of times life catches us by surprise. So I'm big on my ladies bragging. So brag to us on how successful your kids are. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, um, okay, so my oldest is, what, 21 and uh, as of today, has two degrees and uh, one in education, the other one in elementary education. Um, I think he's like a semester away from his bachelor's degree. Uh, he's the father of two children, works two jobs, um, just, I mean, still plays basketball. Um, my second child is, well, I have three girls and a boy, so all the rest of my children are girls. Um, Jivon is currently in Baltimore school. Um, she's working on her second year of school. She's going to school to be a probation officer and um, plays basketball, plays. Oh, gosh, she do every sport. So she do basketball, volleyball, and baseball. Okay. Um, 
that's so exciting all by itself because I remember when Jivon didn't want to go to school at all. Like she was so like, I'm not going to school when I got to high school. It's over. I'm not doing this. I'm going to the military. And now look and, at her. And yes, it's so, <laughs> it's so funny. But um, I remember saying to her like, okay, listen, you can go to the military. The military will always be there. Give me mm-hmm. one year. Give me one year. And if you get past that year and you don't want to do it, it's fine. And so now she'd be like, no, because I'm about to go to this four-year school. So she she loved it now, you know. That's good. Um, yes, yes. It's, it's funny to see the, the difference. Right. But, um, and then the next is the twins. So Carrier is my oldest twin, probably the kid that is more like me. Um, spiritually speaking, Carrier, I say, when I, I had a time in my life where um, in 2009, I started getting really sick. Mm-hmm. And it took a couple of years for them to figure out what was going on with me. But before they could figure it out, I was like, at times, you know, in the hospital for days and weeks at a time. And um, Carrier, well, actually, all the girls started going to Yeepaw. And in that time, I feel like Carrier was the one in the house praying for every soul. Okay. Wow. Um, I feel like Yeepaw introduced her to a world of getting to know God for herself. And because of that, it was able to encourage me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Carrier is at a school in um, Lansing, Michigan. Michigan. I yes. like Michigan. I'm gonna yes. say I think that's I in know. Michigan. She's in Lansing, Michigan. Um, <clears throat> same thing though. She's going to school actually to be a social worker. Um, and I just found out yesterday that she teaches um, children's church. I'm so oh. excited. So she didn't tell me at first because she said she didn't know she wanted to keep doing it. Uh huh. And yesterday she told me like, well, because I've been teaching the kids church, so I have to go do my lesson. And so I was so excited about that. <laughs> um, I think that's the vibe because I feel like when they find their way, I don't know, that's just one of the most encouraging things. Like wow. to just watch them find their way in life. Yes. Um, so she's going to school to be a social worker, but she plays basketball too. Um, and then my granny, my youngest, Graye is, she wants to be a nurse. Okay. And so um, she's also in Michigan, but she's in Jackson. Okay. So same thing. She's on a scholarship for basketball, um, but she wants to be a nurse. And right now, I feel like Graye, she is truly the baby of our family. Uh, my testimony about Graye is that Graye is my student that, I mean, my child that struggled as a student. Okay. And she has an IEP. Um, she is um, ADHD and before there was a time in our life where the the she had therapy and the therapist was saying like she was a very low spectrum of autistic and I just remember saying like we're not gonna put no labels on her mm-hmm. like it could be whatever it need to be on paper do what you got to do but she go push you know what I mean and mm-hmm. so I really feel like it's such a blessing for her to be in school because you know I know that people feel like um, Sometimes kids with the IEP get help. I also know that I've seen the other side of that. Like I've seen the kid who mm-hmm. sit at the table for seven hours and really truly don't understand it. Or, you know, go through note cards and study in every way they can, but really just don't understand the concept as something that I, that I take for, for granted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can sit down and read a paper and like that, I got it. You know, where I can see her read something for two weeks and still be like, okay, wait, what did it say? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just, academically speaking, like, I'm so proud of her because everything that, you know, she thought she couldn't do, she's done. You know what I mean? It shows how you are as a mother, too. Right. You know, it takes a lot of encouragement from home. Yes. To put the love into your child. Yeah. 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 You got to keep encouraging them. Even when they, they go to the left, so to speak. 
you have to keep encouraging them because it's been so many times. Like, I remember even when she learned what an IEP was. And so people would tell her, like, oh, you got an IEP, you don't got to do that. And I'd be like, who, what, what we doing? Oh, because we got to mm-hmm. do the other stuff first, you know. So my way with her is always, you go get the same thing everybody else got first. Mm-hmm. And whatever you need help with is what we'll do. Right. We're not just going to say you can just skip it because there ain't no loopholes in life. Mm-hmm. You know, life just don't work like that. Nothing is going to be given to you. No. And so um, I'm super grateful for that because it's really her motto now. So sometimes she cry, but she do it. And that's Aww. all that mattered to me. Well, hey, you got to get that tough love yes. for you to keep pushing forward. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm so grateful for them. So grateful. That's good. Um, that they are really my pride and joy. That's good. So what is something real encouraging that you could say to women that are listening? Ooh, let's see. I think this is like my most difficult question for a lot of women because some women just be wanting to go in right. and like, look, girl. I know. <laughs> so. You know, um, I guess it's like a twofold motto. Um, the first part of it would be never give up um, on anything. Never give up on yourself. Never give up on your dreams. Um, never give up on believing that it's something inside of you that's greater than anything else. And the other part of it is everybody need help sometimes. Yes. Um, when you're strong, you kind of get, and then even when you go through things, people take advantage of you or people do you wrong, so to speak. So you start feeling like, oh, I ain't never asking nobody for help. Or I ain't ever, like, I don't know, nowhere in the Bible where people was a king and didn't get help. Mm-hmm. Or nowhere even in our history where when you look at the LeBron James, the Oprah Winfrey, the whoever it is that the image that you see, they got help from somebody. And um, you can't be afraid of that. Like you have to embrace whatever it is that God give you as your help. You have to embrace it because it's going to be the way you get to where you got to go. Mm-hmm. But just don't quit. Like don't give up, you know, even if you have to sit yourself aside sometimes, sometimes you need quiet time, but never quit. That's good. I wanted to um, let our viewers know the reason being for me bringing Carlotta here is a lot of people don't know. Carlotta gives a lot into the community. She supports so many people and I love every bit of it. You know, sometimes you have those um, secret watchers. I'm like one of those secret watchers because I like to always look at women that help do so much for others. And when I see no one isn't doing absolutely nothing for them at times, I would like to be the one to encourage them and uplift them and let them know that you are noticed and you are loved. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> it, it's just needed. I, I just like to see women just feel good about themselves and it's it's kind of sad we in a today's society of women always bringing each other down and tearing them apart but it's like we all we all battling something and you know it's another thing as far as how women are you know you could share a lot of things of your personal life but, you know, when somebody get mad at each other or something, when I share something with you from the heart, you go and talk yeah, about me. Right. So that's a real struggle in today's society also. And that's another reason why I wanted to bring you here. Because 
a lot of people know since my mom passed and even when she was in a in a coma Carlotta has reached out to me on numerous times (laughs) even when I was just down and out and I just didn't feel like talking to nobody I always made I looked at my messages and she's probably like the only one I really respond to all the time for the most part but it's it's a struggle and I and I see a lot of women has reached out to me that lost their mothers reached out to me and I was like wow or just lost a parent and I didn't know it was like this painful right. and it's something you will never ever get over right. <laughs> so I really appreciate you right. a lot no it, it, and you're absolutely right I feel like um when even when I see somebody say they're about to lose a mom or dad or uh, you know, a child, I think that I lost both of my parents within three years. I lost my dad in May of 2016, um, my mom in May of this year. And um, it, it's truly, so far, my life been the greatest pain. But I also believe that it's been something that has brought me to a different level of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually did a eulogy for both of my parents' uh, funeral. And, um, man, you talking about having to dig deep like deep oh my god i almost <laughs> didn't even go like i remember from my dad's funeral i remember i changed my outfit 20 times like i just i it kept feeling like nothing was right nothing would work nothing would fit but it was just my emotional stuff you know what i mean like i felt like so scared so nervous i wanted my parents to be proud um my mom helped me through his eulogy and then when my mother got ready when my mother got sick um, she asked me about doing her eulogy because she didn't want anybody else outside of my godmother, who is Dr. Graham, to do her eulogy. But she was like, well, you know, if you can't do it, have her. But I would prefer um, for you to do it. And I just felt like I could not do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, in those moments, it gave me a different strength. But afterwards, I was depleted, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like the month of May and June skipped me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, um, and it, it, it was hard because my twins were graduating from school. Mm-hmm. We buried my mother on, I don't know, in my, in my mind right now. We buried my mother Wednesday. We had to send my kids off to prom by Friday. And so, um, it was just hard. I mean, okay. it is this, there's really no other word. And, um, but I do think that it is so important to stay connected and that even when you don't, feel like getting up remember all the joy that your mom brought all the the laughter and all the things that she taught you know what I yeah. mean like one day we, we will only be a memory to somebody else yes and so when you understand and you come to an understanding about um, life and death you know that they're connected and so one you can't have one without the other mm-hmm. and, and so no matter how much it hurts and I, I think I mean that's probably one of the first things I think about when I wake up in the morning and when I go to sleep at night is my mother and my father but um, I also know that I want to keep going so that my children can look at me and know how to um, to push past that pain mm-hmm. um, because one day they may have to deal with the same pain. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know when our times will cross or come, but I want to also make my parents proud, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just have to keep digging deeper. And so I want you to stay encouraged. And oh, I know yeah. you might not feel like talking sometimes, and I'm okay with that. Because <laughs> I remember, yes, like... I just be having my moments. Yes. And I, just, I found myself, it was like... 
on two occasions, I was literally up for 48 hours. Right. I ain't getting no sleep because it's like I was scared to go to sleep because you I knew. You again. Yeah. It's I like I got to wake up and I just and can't call her. And face it all over. Yeah. That was my first realization of my mother passing. Yes. Was the fact that if I go to sleep, I'm going to wake up. And she's still not going to be here. Yes. And it's Ooh. the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. When my father passed, I felt like it was uh, it was hard, but it was like I was fighting something else. Mm-hmm. My, I was in the room when my father passed, and um, I was in, I'm sorry. That's okay. I was in um, a state of shock still. Like, the nurse was like, he gone. I was like, he is not. Oh, like, wow. my dad is not dead. Like, he playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, dad mm-hmm. could playing. And um, it took me a longer time to really come to grips with. I think the day of the funeral, I was like, my dad is really dead. Wow. You know, um, and it stung me, but I, it was so many things that I was grateful for. Like, my dad was a, he was a character. He was funny, you know what I mean? So he was fun to be around. And so I tried to remember those things. But my dad was also a realist. Like, my dad didn't believe in um, faking to be somebody that he wasn't. And so... I try to walk in that a little stronger now. Like, I've mm-hmm. always been kind of timid because of the things that I've been through. And so now sometimes I find myself putting on that coda of, like, you know, it is what it is. I am mm-hmm. who I am unapologetically. And that's how my father lived. Um, my mother was more timid. and But she was also um, very straightforward one-on-one. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I just try to take the good stuff and utilize it. Yes, we have to. Yeah. Constantly. So I would like to know how can individuals get in contact with you just in case that they may need therapy or even y'all Carlotta does speak in engagements. So y'all can invite her to come speak to your family, friends, events or anything in that nature. So how can they get in contact with you? So um, my, they can call me directly 330-431-6761. Okay. Um, I'm also working on right now starting grief classes. Great. So um, I will probably, I wish, I should have probably brought that information, but I will make sure I send it to you. Okay. Um, because I will be starting grief classes at the library. Oh, that's, yes, that'll yes, be yes. so neat. So I just have to confirm um, it's either next Thursday or the Thursday after. So when we did competition, I kind of like got lost a little okay. bit. Okay. I already know y'all um, be hype. Oh, God. Yes. So, <laughs> okay. Um, but I am, I am going to be starting grief courses. And it has a different kind of twist. Like, God has really blessed me with some stuff about grief that I never imagined would help me. Um, but I believe that it's helped me. And I and I know that it's an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I feel like if it helped me, and I've battled with depression most of my life, mm-hmm. if it has helped me, I believe it can help somebody else. Definitely. And so I'm going to make sure testimony. Yes. So I would like to thank everyone for tuning in to Life Her Podcast, where we help heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Life Her Podcast, and also on Facebook. And we also have our website, lifeherpodcast.com, to listen to other podcast episodes and purchase merchandise. I am Yvette Lloyd, and I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Thank you for tuning in.